This is the PropTech VC Podcast. We give you unique insights into how innovative technologies are disrupting real estate. We interview top entrepreneurs, investors, and knowledgeable experts to share the inside scoop in this fast-moving industry. It's hosted by leading PropTech VC, Zane Jaffer. Let's dive into today's content. On today's show, we have Nelson Lau, the founder and CEO of Property Quants. I'm very excited to have Nelson, actually, because he's an expert in AI and was actually my teacher. I did a course on uh, AI and data science, and that's how I met Nelson. Nelson, how are you doing? Okay, not too bad. Thanks so much for having me on the show. Cool. You know, it's, it's good to have an AI expert on the show because um, I felt like there couldn't be any industry more ripe for disruption than the one we're in right now, you know, in, in real estate and property tech. Yeah, no, I, I think that's true. You know, part of the cost that, that uh, you did with us, uh, we talk about sort of the monetization opportunities and what's going on. And we see something in every space, right, from like just selling the data to building the indexes to automated valuation in real estate, forecasting and all of the new stuff too. Right? So I think uh, image recognition, chatbots, there's just tons of stuff going on, right? Yeah, so Nelson, before we dive into all of that, you've got a fascinating background because you came from the finance world where there was uh, you know, a lot of focus on, on quant and, and trading and you, you've you know gone all the way to PhD level. Why don't you tell us a bit about your journey and how you got here? Yeah, no, thanks so much. So that that's uh, in a nutshell uh, how I got here, um, you know, starting from the beginning. So, so uh, in university, I did economics and math that was always interested in stock trading. Um, and in that year, I was sort of, you know, they had these books about technical analysis of the markets and they show these patterns and stuff. And I was like, is that right? Does this stuff actually work? Um, you know, and there's these two thick books anyway. So then I, um, by a lot of luck, you know, happened to be at Columbia. I uh, was in New York, so a lot of hedge funds, right? And um, there was opportunity to do an internship. And I actually, um, uh, luckily enough, got into a place where they were doing everything in a data science, data-driven way. Had this piece of software that would enable you to propose a hypothesis when X and Y and Z happen, what happens next, right? And so very much was able to apply this sort of data-driven evidence-based way of verifying, hey, you know, is this pattern actually useful? Turns out that most of them don't actually work, but there are a few things that are actually, uh, you know, significant and, and predictive of the markets. And uh, so that's sort of where I cut my teeth and always have this idea about if we're going to invest, we should be looking at the data and we should be finding reliable signals about what we should be doing next, right, to buy or sell in, in particular markets. Um, then, uh, you know, along the way, decided to continue my education, uh, got into uh, data science uh, at INSEAD. So, you know, very much how do we take a business problem, make it into a math problem, how do we solve that, uh, and what are people actually doing? And then continued, uh, you know, into sort of um, uh, asset management outside of Sovereign Wealth Fund, uh, GIC in Singapore, um, looking at tactical asset allocation for a bit, and then high frequency trading. So again, building these sort of data-driven models to invest. And along the way, uh, was looking at real estate investing. So I was investing for myself in right, a couple of different uh, places, um, you know, London and Tokyo and Singapore. And then I was looking around and saying, hey, you know, how are people actually doing this? Right? This seems really different from what we're doing on a day-to-day -day basis, uh, you know, in, in the financial world. And we spent some time poking around and saying, hey, you know, maybe we just don't know, right? Maybe people are doing this and, and we don't know that people are, are taking really quantitative bets. Um, and after looking for some time, you know, we sort of determined that, hey, there, there does seem to be a little bit of a gap here. 
uh, the way that we think about it. You know, maybe real estate is is a little bit like where we were in finance maybe 20 years ago, when you know um, you had these quantitative funds and that was still a new thing. So when I was just starting my career, there were some, right? Obviously, you had the, the Renaissance technologies and the bridge ones could be doing it before then, but it was still a relatively new thing. And then one of the statistics we like to point out is that if we think about it today, you know, one third of every dollar in hedge funds, right, is invested in quantitative hedge funds. And depending on who you ask the statistics from, 60 to 80% of all trades is done by computer algorithms in the stock market, right? So can we bring the same thing into real estate? And that's how we got here. Um, and, you know, as mentioned, I think a, a lot of that is beginning to move that way, but we might still be in the early days. You know, Nelson, it's funny, you, you just casually say the real estate industry is 20 years behind. And it's crazy, you know, uh, 20 years. Can you imagine if the finance industry were 20 years behind or if the, the internet world were 20 years behind, we wouldn't be doing this. I mean, our, our world changed so much during COVID and I know property and real estate is changing a lot too, but this is the one thing that shocked me as well. When I came into real estate, I was just horrified at how much reliance there is on spreadsheets, how the industry thrives on information asymmetry, where you're relying on an opinion from a human being and, and the gut and the instinct. And I think there's a place for gut and instinct, but um, it's far behind. Infrastructure is lacking. Yeah, you know, so when I was starting out uh, on the trading desk, um, they were starting to use uh, FX platforms. So today, most trading on FX is really algorithmic. You go on the platforms or you trade in futures and so on. And it was the beginning of, of, of that, right? So you would hit something on what used to be called FX all, and you'd get a quote, right? So you didn't 100% know where the market was, but it was already a lot better because you'd get an electronic quote from all these different brokers. You'd get like a CD quote, a Goldman quote, and things like that. And you could hit who you wanted to deal with. And, and the traders were already telling me that, yeah, you know, this is so much better because like five, 10 years ago, Nobody really knew where, like, you know, whatever it was, right, you know, uh, Sterling versus USD was. And so, you, you know, if you call different guys, you might get a spread that was like just way apart and you could take advantage of that or, or they could take advantage of you. And think about real estate. It's kind of the way it is today. How much is this building worth? How much should it be trading for? How much did the next door building trade for, right? Things like that still remain opaque, but that's beginning to clear up, right? So we're beginning to see a lot more organization across the world, more companies pulling this data together, trying to aggregate that. So that's why I say maybe we're about 20 years behind in that sense, right? So, you know, in the finance industry, you talked about, you know, simple examples like the mispricing of assets and um, how that allows someone to make a quick buck. Is that what's going on in real estate? People are making quick, easy money because of some arbitrage opportunity they've seen and the data isn't there. I mean, I think there's there's still a lot of that going on, right? That's why, and this this is sort of a broader conversation topic, right? We, we got into the space saying, hey, you know, we want to take data-driven methods and, and, and use that to either make advisory or to invest and so on. And, you know, along the way, you know, we, we have chatted with some of these larger companies and say, hey, we can help you make sense of this data and figure out certain insights. And they say, okay, this is this is great. What do you need? And we say, okay, well, you, you kind of need to share with us the transactions you're seeing or the data sets that you have. And there's an absolute sort of like, you know, uh, caution or apprehension there because knowing where the price is, is kind of the alpha for a lot of real estate guys, right? Especially in commercial real estate. So, so absolutely, I agree with that. What does that mean? Does that mean that the market's going to see a shift as it did in the fintech or the finance world where 
your average consumer now versus institutions, institutions are becoming you know more and more prevalent. I know there's this seesaw and a fight constantly with the Reddit crowd and you know AMC GME type of stuff happening. Uh, but what's going to happen in real estate? Is it going to be that the larger institutions who have data are going to dominate, or do you think they'll they'll be? A, do you think it'll stay the same and it'll be very fragmented? So. I think there's a couple of paths. Obviously, nobody knows for sure. Um, but I think that the data transparency piece is increasing. I think the US is, is a particularly good place for this. I mean, first and foremost, you know, a lot of the transaction data, uh, especially residential, was recorded or is recorded on the county offices. And then you have all these companies, right? You know, Cherry puts it together, House Canary, Atom Data, a bunch of other people are putting this together. And I think over time, that becomes more and more cost effective to access. And you have a couple of, of players who might become like the Bloomberg or Thompson orators for real estate. And so, you know, one of the things that, that was shocking initially is, you know, we still get this question like, where is the market? Which market has gone up the most? What is the current yield? And and we are actually trying to put that together for a couple of markets, in, you know, that we monitor and then try to have a dashboard that we can we can then use and on sell to, to tell people exactly what's going on. Where do we think the current yield is net of all of these factors and so on. But the fact that you can't do that versus in finance, this is free, right? On Yahoo Finance or Google Finance, or you know, if you log into any of your trading apps, right? They'll just show you this stuff, right? Um, so I think that's one path, right? So we go, we go down that way. Another path is that, yeah, you know, there are parts of finance that remain still a little bit more opaque, right? Like, you know, maybe um, even with the corporate bonds, there is some information, but it is not as clear. It's a little bit fragmented. So maybe we end up a little bit there. But even that is, is changing a little bit, right? There, there is a little bit more push for electronic trading of corporate bonds. There is some activity in that space that's making it more open. Um, so let's see. And then in terms of who's doing the trading, some interesting articles recently, right? That some of the iBuyers are stepping in and buying the properties before uh, from the developers before the individuals, right? So, so maybe that happens, right? They're more informed. Um, so hard to say. The other piece that determines it is, I guess, government regulation, right? So governments typically step in with a lot of legislation around, especially residential real estate. I think that didn't happen so much in finance because it's sort of, you know, viewed as more open, um, less legislation is better, right? People, you know, should be knowing what, what, what they're doing uh, versus real estate, right? So... Do you see in the market today larger firms building out data science and, and analysis functions? Are they hiring more? Uh, there's, there's, look, there's an interest right now, and you know, I, I did your course too, but you, you know, because I just felt that AI is going to disrupt real estate. Probably one of the biggest opportunities ever. Where, where is the disruption happening? Are large firms hiring, or is it more just individual startups and the large firms are, you know, uh, going to be disrupted because they're not embracing AI? So I think both. Um, so so absolutely right. There is a lot of interest. One of the things that that we often point out, is, you know, in, as we as we talk with people, is we looked at those KPMG prop tech surveys, 2018, 2019, and like yeah, half of real estate participants said that of all the technologies out there, you have like you know this data science AI, you have VR, AR, you have tons of stuff, right? But half of them said that it's going to be this data science AI, uh, big data that's going to have the biggest impact uh, on the real estate industry. And that survey also showed that, you know, there's still 80% of companies who have a ways to go in terms of harnessing data-driven decision-making and that there's also a skills gap, right? They were also saying that of all the people leading uh, data science or digital transformation efforts in real estate companies, only 5% of people have the right sort of background for that. 
But what are we seeing, right? So, so we, we saw people coming in. We, we run this course on on teaching uh, data science, machine learning for real estate, and we're increasingly seeing more and more. You know, there are some large companies who do send analysts and researchers to the course. There are some medium sort of, especially investment funds, will say, "Hey, you know, we want to use these methods. Can we send a couple of analysts for this?" Uh, and then, yes, there are startups in the space who are doing that as well. Wait, what did you say? Five percent of people in these roles are are are. Are uh, on, uh, they're only qualified, and 95% percent on for the role? I mean, that's what the survey suggests. So I think it's the KPMG wow. PropTech Survey 2019 is saying of the people leading a digital transformation effort uh, in 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 real estate companies, only five percent have a background in data analytics, and the others are all sorts of other things, right? You know, I, I'm obviously many of the people listening to this podcast uh, are trying to figure out the digital transformation and. The first thing you do, you're in real estate, and you realize the industry is being disrupted. You 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 get excited about the idea of prop tech, and you figure out how you can implement it. And you know either you use it as a a vendor, and you bring in a, a product or service, and you pay for it, or you go higher and you build internal competency. Um, so, talk us through what advice do you have for folks at large companies? How do they lead the digital transformation? And specifically, how should they think about AI? What what do they need to have in place before AI even makes sense? And um, any any practical advice for these types of people? Yeah, look, I mean, I think it first and foremost, you know, it, it depends on what you're doing. So some large companies will be generating data that's really useful, right? If you are a brokerage firm, you're going to be generating tons of data that you could use internally about where various markets are at, operating costs of various buildings, all, all of these things that could create insights that, that will be unique to you or, or to help your clients. And first thing first, you know, how is that being recorded, right? Um, so oftentimes you have a lot of these, uh, maybe you think about leases, right? Just commercial leases tend to be these like, you know, very long PDF documents. And that's not really easily usable uh, in terms of doing some kind of analysis. There are companies that are springing up in this space, right? So we were in the Collier's Techstars program a couple of years back, together with some companies in that space, right? So, so like AdEx does that, they'll help you to make that into a, a digital record. And so, you know, taking some steps to actually have all of that information that you already own be in a format that's usable uh, to do analysis, right? The next thing is sort of, you know, um, sharing of data, right? So in a large company, right, there may be silos or there may be a lot of organic acquisitions. Um, you know, how do we make sure that various uh, teams in the firm are willing and able to share? Because there is this sense that you know maybe, and it depends again on the setup. But like my commissions, right, are, are kind of what is important. Why should I share this with somebody else, right? And so that that becomes a little bit of a problem. So creating that culture where understanding that. You know, sort of sharing the data creates sort of a better uh, potential for all of us together. I think that that's also useful. Um, and then, you know, uh, the next step then is, what do you want to do? Do you want to, as you mentioned, build out your own team, or do you want to engage sort of outsiders to do that? You know, a lot of times what we're what we're seeing is that um, people might come and they might ask, okay, we want to build out some kind of analysis of this. If I use an external company, well, what do they need? And the company would say, okay, we need to work on the data, which means you need to share with us. And there's a lot of apprehension about that. I actually think there doesn't need to be. I think, you, you know, you can contract and, um, you know, a lot of companies are not interested in, in sort of stealing your data, but but to actually help you to do that. So, so a little bit more of openness on that front. Uh, but if, you know, 
to the extent that if, if that's insurmountable, then yeah, then you want to go down this route of building it out yourself, hire out your own team, you can do that. Um, but then the next thing is, who do you hire? How do you figure that out? So, you know, our, our course is helpful a little bit, right? We're going to tell you a little bit about the various things you might want to do. You can go a little bit in depth on that. Um, and then the last note, like, you know, people say, hey, I want to get into data science. One of the common pitfalls is then, okay, I'm going to go hire like a PhD researcher in data science. Well, that's maybe not the right guy because he's going to want to build like new algorithms and figure out, you know, new, new kind of intellectual things uh, and new models. Um, and maybe what you want is somebody who understands that right, and is sort of interested in applying it and seeing it take, you know, uh, and, and make an impact in the actual world, right?